back to the crossover across time podcast. We're back for uh, our second round of play in game coverage. Uh, of course, last night we had the matchups of uh, the ninth and 10th seeds in the Eastern conference, as well as the ninth and 10th seeds in the Western conference. Um, and a lot of excitement in both games. We'll get into that in just a moment. We'll also cover the latest news and get you some previews for uh, the upcoming final two games in the play-in tournament, which will get us set up for the playoffs. Um, before we get started, I am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. Um, both new and uh, already you know, experienced listeners, we we welcome you and appreciate your support on the show. Um, let's do, let's excuse me. Let's jump into that first game, uh, the Chicago Bulls managed to pull off uh, the the first victory for a 10th seed in the short history of the play-in tournament. This is only about the third or fourth season that the NBA has doing been doing the play-in tournament, but uh, the Bulls have the distinct honor being the first 10th seed to win a game in the play-in structure um, as they won on the road in Toronto against the Raptors, 109 to 105. Um, and it was a big game. You know, I caught... Uh, certain moments of this game as it happened um, early on, it looked like the Raptors were heading towards a very handy victory here, um, you know, kind of filling in the role, you know, nine, 10, nine seed beats the 10 seed, you know, script goes as it should in, you know, some senses, but uh, credit to the bulls. They stayed with it. They never really gave up. Um, and especially in a game of this magnitude, you know, your hopes of having a chance to fight another day, you know, make a, a playoff spot with slim odds as a 10th seed. You know, they really uh, played well, and there were some struggles by the Raptors. Um, might as well touch on this now. There's maybe some uh, assistance from uh, the daughter of DeMar DeRozan. Uh, if you didn't see, uh, it's kind of one of the big social media takeaways from uh, last night's action, probably easily the biggest thing that social media took away from it. Towards the end, uh, the Raptors did not have a great free throw shooting night the the whole night. Um, and I think it was throughout the game, but particularly towards the end, DeMar DeRozan's daughter, who was in the crowd, you know, pretty good seats, uh, makes sense. But she was, uh, you know, screaming during all of the, the Raptors free throws. And now people are saying, oh, she helped. She was the MVP for that night. She threw, threw the Raptors off. Um, and, you know can't deny the impact of that but uh it's hard to say without actually having been on the court um how much or how little of an impact that had what we do know of course is that the raptors did struggle from the free throw line that was the key issue for them uh they were 18 of 36 50 overall hitting only half their free throws um that is a tough situation um the bulls made just as many but they only had 22 attempts they shot 81% from the free throw line um so you know that's tough to overcome as a team and you're getting uh outperformed at the free throw line but it's interesting cuz the raptors did control the boards in this one uh they had a uh plus 14 rebound advantage overall um they moved the ball uh just as well uh defensively though it looks like chicago was able to really get uh disrupt the rhythm of the Raptors in some senses. Um, but first let's look overall box scores here for the Raptors. They did get a great game, a couple of great games from their two uh, all-stars, both past and present. Pascal Siakam, 32 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He showed up. He played the way they needed him to play. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, he had 26 points, 12 rebounds and eight assists, along with one steal and one block. 
Uh, great shooting, even though he didn't shoot very well from the floor overall. He shot great from the three-point line um, and was productive for them. Scotty Barnes was solid too, 19 points, 10 rebounds, uh, two steals and a block. Uh, so getting that little defensive versatility in there. Um, 13 points for OG Ananobi. Jakob Pertl did grab eight rebounds and and block two shots. So their starters did okay. You know, there really isn't too much to complain about here. Um, not a wealth of bench scoring. And again, that free throw disparity um, was a big factor in this, but then also maybe some of those defensive impacts. Um, if you look at steals, blocks, uh, totals for either team, Raptors had five total steals, five total blocks. Meanwhile, the Bulls had 10 total blocks and nine total steals, so maybe just a little bit of a difference there. Bulls being able to disrupt things a little bit more uh, for Toronto's case. Um, hard to say for sure, but um if you know fast break points, Chicago did have a little bit of an advantage there, a little bit more points in the paint. Um, so you know, Raptors did have more second chance opportunities with those rebounding uh advantages, but um, yeah, Bulls still able to come out on top. Zach Levine led the charge for them 39 points for him, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, a solid game in support of Levine 23 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and two blocks. So, great all around game for him as well. Vucevic doing his thing, 14 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. Um, Alex Caruso starting alongside DeRozan at the uh, the forward spot. I guess technically DeRozan was more of your power forward in this game, so they went with a pretty small lineup. Caruso, despite not having a big scoring night, he did what he does best as far as that defensive impact. Three steals and three blocks in a huge game, I imagine. A good chunk of those coming in key moments, probably second half type plays. He's such an important player for them, even though he's not technically what you'd consider a star player. He's a guy that can really influence winning basketball and make some of those types of plays. Um, So shout out to him. They got 10 points off the bench from Patrick Williams, but he also had two steals and two blocks. So he helped further aid their defensive efforts. Plus he had a pretty nice uh, baseline dunk. I did see that one live. Um, so yeah, the Bulls again. Credit to them. They 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 hung tight. They did not let a uh, a big lead. You know, early third quarter, the Raptors led by about 19 points, but they did not let them uh, let that affect them from you know, hey, we're gonna still fight. You know, we've still got just about a half of basketball to play here. We can win this game, and uh, you know, tough loss for Toronto. Um, you know, in some ways, uh, it's not as hurt. You know hurtful for the pride or the you know the fan base or whatever uh you want to kind of associate it with you think about teams that have had long runs of you know playoff failures and those things can really start to build up and and weigh you down the raptors in this sense you know from a fan perspective they're they're fortunate to have won a championship within the last five or six years and so it's disappointing, um, but you also still have a little bit of that championship shine um, glimmer in the in your eye, the back of your mind. Um, but yeah, still a tough loss. You know, disappointing for the Raptors fans. That'll be a really interesting team to look for in the offseason as far as uh, what's the next step for them. You know, building towards contention. Do they try and strip things back and and you know clean the slate a little bit? Do they? you know, just continue to focus on the young talent and make a gradual shift away from, you know, some different players, you know, what that looks like, that'll be interesting. But again, credit to Chicago for a great win and they have the opportunity to play in um, another play in game. And again, we'll talk about that in just a moment. 
Um, but for now, let's jump to that second of the two play-in games. This one, then, of course, the Bulls and the Raptors. The Bulls were the 10 in the East. The Raptors were the 9 in the East. So now we're talking the 9-10 matchup in the West. Now the 10-seed Oklahoma City Thunder in New Orleans against the Pelicans against the 9-seed uh, New Orleans Pelicans. And for the, you know, the Bulls, of course, were, were praised for being that first 10 seed to win a game in the playoff format or play in format, excuse me, uh, only took a matter of, you know, three or four hours for that uh, to not be a unique uh, trait to that team. Now the, the thunder joined them, the Oklahoma city thunder winning this one in new Orleans. So both 10 seeds won in this year's play in tournament, which is uh, it's fun to see, you know, it, it kind of justifies some of the uh, selling points for the play in tournament, as far as teams who, uh, we're starting to find their rhythm late or um, maybe had some bad luck. You know, they have a chance to pull it together during the playoff, um, you know, period of time. And so the Thunder really take it, took advantage of that there. And uh, this was a pretty close game throughout. I mean, the biggest lead by either team was no more than nine or 10 points. And it was, uh, you know, back and forth game, 13 different lead changes throughout. And uh it was within just a few points uh, for most of the fourth quarter. So um, it was really anyone's game for much of this. But again, the uh, the Thunder able to come out on top. Big win for them. Um, and it's it's interesting because, you know, they were they were out rebounded a little bit. Um, pretty similar, uh, you know, assists, defensive type of numbers. Um, nothing really standing out there. Um, I think they might have had just a little bit more. Uh, key performances from their stars. They had, you know, their younger stars really shined in this game. A little bit more fast break type points, uh, points in the paint, um, just a touch more, um, you know, I don't know. They're just able to get those points in those key moments and come out on top in this game. Uh, for the Pelicans first, let's look at their uh, box score numbers. All five starters scored in double figures. Uh, they were the five players that did score in double figures for them. Led by Brandon Ingram again, um, despite the Pelicans now having been eliminated from the postseason, we you know got to take a moment to recognize what Brandon Ingram was able to do over the last three or four weeks. As far as you know, not only the scoring, we know he's a great scorer, a terrific scorer, and he's an All Star level player. You know, grabbing rebounds with his length and his height, but the playmaking ability and the you know sheer moxie if we want to use a a favorite term of of rich eisen or any of those other guys you know the moxie to will his team to victory and um you know do his best to put them in a good position and maybe even try and make a playoff spot um you know credit to him he was one of the best players in the league um full stop over the last you know three weeks of action or so so credit to him they got a great game from Trey Murphy the third. <laughs> Excuse me. Um Trey Murphy the third, 21 points, four rebounds, two assists. Um they did get 20 points from Herbert Jones. Uh so Jones and Murphy, the two younger, uh dynamic wings, longer, taller wings, getting some productive minutes here. Valanchunas, 16 points. 18 rebounds, so he was productive. CJ McCollum with 14 points and four assists, along with two steals and a block. Uh, nice little defense there. Maybe that could have been a factor. As far as CJ McCollum, you expect him to be a very solid scorer, an above-average scorer, and in this game, not a wealth of scoring. I mean, he shot about 
33% from the floor, one of five from three-point range. Um, that maybe could have been a factor that would have helped the Pelicans ensure victory. Um, they also didn't get a lot of bench scoring, and they didn't go very deep in their bench anyways. And so if we want to look for some reasons as to why uh, the Thunder were able to come out on top, maybe that's an answer. But again, um, it's not an exact science as far as our viewpoint of it. You know, um, I'm sure there's any number, any number of reasons that uh, Thunder were able to win. But, uh, you know, they're two dynamic backcourt uh, stars, young stars, certainly a big factor. Uh, each of them going for 30 or more points, combining for 63 in this game. Shea Gilgis-Alexander led the way, 32 points, uh, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block. Truly dynamic, great shooting percentages all around. Did not seem, uh, you know, phased by the moment. And I guess in some ways for these, you know, lower seeds on the road, there's not really any pressure. You're expected to be, you know, bounced in that game. It's just kind of, you know, your playing appearance is a consolation prize in, in some people's minds. And so there's not as much pressure. So that was maybe an advantage uh, for the Thunder's sake. And so, yeah, SGA, great game. And Josh Giddy right there alongside him, 31 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds, almost getting the 30-point triple-double in your play-in game. That's a great game for a young player. Another you know, great all-round shooting percentage night. Um, and they had a really great supporting game from Lou Gwen Stort, Lou Dort, if you will. 27 points, five rebounds, um, good percentages. But again, his, uh, you know, defensive impact, I'm sure, was also important for this one. Uh, Jalen Williams, that's L-E-N Williams, um, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. And then the other Jalen Williams with eight rebounds, eight assists, he continues to start at center for them. And their starters, yeah, their starters overall, just a little bit better than the Pelican starters in some ways. Um, the backcourt there was hard to stop uh on the you know the part of the pelicans not much they could do against gideon alexander um similar you know kind of bench levels of you know not going ultra deep in the bench not a ton of scoring or production off the bench in general but again you know credit to the thunder being able to pull this game off they of course uh will now go into that second game of the play-in tournament uh, which will be tomorrow along with that uh, Bulls game. And we'll get into those matchups in just a moment. But again, congratulations to the Thunder. They move on. The Pelicans now go into an offseason with, um, you know, some interesting points. I think there's every argument to uh, simply just run it back, you know, keep most of your roster intact, maybe make some few tweaks. Um, but there's also an argument to be made for um, shaking things up um, as far as, you know, they have a star player, Zion Williamson, whose talent is undeniable when he's played he's been a multi-time all-star already he was playing at a all-star starter level you know all nba level when they were um you know at their peak this season they were one of the top teams in the west one of the top teams in the league bar none and uh he went out again he's missed a majority of his career at this point with injury troubles and uh it's a difficult decision as far as do you stick with him or do you you know look at what the road would be without him because you know none of us knows um he could end up being a player like a uh you know a bill walton or a greg odin who's you know talent is great you know maybe more close to a bill walton where obviously they're a great star a great player but the injuries simply won't let them be a long-term productive player or he could be a joel Embiid where 
he has injury troubles early. They're able to work something out and then he becomes much more consistent and helps, you know, contribute to that winning environment. I think either one is very possible. And um, for his sake and for everyone's sake, I hope it's the latter. I hope that he's able to put the injury troubles behind him. They figure something out. They figure out whatever's going on. And he becomes, you know, a consistent presence. Uh, one of the new, you know, young stars of the league that he already is. But we we know he's going to be there night in and night out. I hope that's what happens. But as an organization, you, you know, I'm sure that's something that they're going to be taking into account as they you know, look to the off season. Now they're, they're, they're in their off season. They're looking to build for next year. And I'm sure that will be part of the conversation at least um, as far as what the team looks like going forward. So that'll be interesting. But again, congratulations to Oklahoma city uh, for winning this one, a great win uh, for that team. So those were the two games. Again, those were our second games, uh, our second pair of games from the uh, play in tournament. Before we jump into those previews, let's run through some key news real quick. Firstly, um, for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant has filed a countersuit against uh, the teenager who is uh, currently suing him. Um, from what I have seen, this teenager's original lawsuit against John Morant has something to do with uh, the teenager alleges that they had played uh, like a pickup game or something like that, uh, met in person, and... Um, <clears throat> You know, things got heated in some some way or another, uh, physical altercations, punches being thrown, um, the accusation of Morant even brandishing a gun. Um, so that was the original suit that was um, a little bit earlier this season, probably within the first uh, two or three months of the season. This was a, a suit that was, you know, announced or, or kind of leaked that this was was happening. Um, Morant's countersuit. um is specifically for slander, battery, and assault. Uh, Morant claiming that um, he also was was victim of you know uh, this physical altercation, you know battery and assault being a part of that, but also um, this lawsuit um, being announced uh, and being you know leaked to a, a public forum so quickly, um, and the uh, his you know his claim of inaccuracies in the story. Um, as part of that slander piece as far as, you know, impacting his career, um, the suit, you know, stating that 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 story, that lawsuit, uh, you know, harmed, <clears throat> excuse me, harmed John Morant's, um, you know, abilities uh, as far as, um, you know, sponsorships, um, endorsement deals, things of that nature. Um, and so so that's what's going on right now. Again, um there's, you know, back and forth on both sides as far as, um, you know, he he said this, they said that, so on and so forth. Um, from what I have seen, it seems that um, uh, the teenager's story um, was there was a revision uh, to that story as far as um, the exact, you know, the specifics of the lawsuit, um, what they claimed had happened. Um make of that way you will it could just be clarifying some points could be inaccuracies you know could be making things up we really don't know you know and it's um it's an interesting situation um for everyone's sake hopefully um you know people suing each other back and forth uh in my mind is never really an uh a scenario for you know great feelings all around and catharsis you know, great catharsis, but 
hopefully for everyone's sake, um, whether it's monetarily or emotionally or whatever it is, things are resolved. Um, you know, and it's just another one of those things that unfortunately, uh, the net result is this becomes kind of a, you know, an undercurrent with Morant's career. You know, we had, of course, the, the Instagram live thing that we talked ad nauseum about, and, um, he's addressed that he's going to have to address questions about this and it's unfortunate, you know, and, um, we hope that, um, long-term this all kind of goes away and that he's able to put that in the past and, uh, just become more, more known for, for the highlight dunks. And, and that's really the focus, but we'll have to see what happens with that suit. Um, a couple of injury issues or injury, uh, updates rather. These are positive updates as far as teams, uh, in the playoff picture, firstly for golden state, uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, this was actually not a, quite an injury, but he was, he had been away from the team for a long time, uh, dealing with some personal situations. He has been cleared for game one of their series versus the Sacramento Kings, which will tip off in Sacramento. Um, so that'll be good for golden state to have him. He was a key part of the championship championship team last year. Um, and then for the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, guard forward, Andrew or Isaac Okoro, is likely to return to the lineup for game one of their series versus the New York Knicks. Um, he's an impact player. He's started a lot of games and he's emerged as a real defensive impact guy for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So uh, both those teams, good to see those guys back and that'll, you know, help their case in the playoffs and lead to some uh, exciting playoff basketball. So that's great to see. And then finally for the Sacramento Kings, uh, Head coach Mike Brown has been named the National Basketball Coaches Association's uh, Coach of the Year for this season. Congratulations to him. So, of course, similar to the NBA's Players Association, there's a Coaches Association, all 30 NBA head coaches, and I'm sure all the associates. Um, there's, you know, that and you're probably getting into the hundreds. But, um, yeah, they uh, each all have a vote. Um They can't vote for themselves, obviously. And so the coaches have voted Mike Brown as the – the best of them for this season. So congratulations to him. Uh, the NBA's standard head coach of the or coach of the year award um, will be announced. I'm sure within the next uh, month, month and a half, but we'll have to see what happens uh, definitively. So that is your key news for uh, the last day or so. Let's go ahead and jump into those previews for the final two play in games. Firstly, that Eastern conference matchup, the Chicago bulls, Having won that game against Toronto in Toronto, they now have to travel to Miami to face off against the Heat, who are now, uh, you know, technically that eighth seed spot. Uh, they were ranked seventh at the start of the play-in tournament. The Hawks beat them, and now they are simply trying to um, either make the playoffs or they get eliminated, and it's the same for both teams. So uh, even higher stakes, you know, it was the same of the last uh, set of games, you know, win or you're out. But this one, you're, it's even closer. You know, these are, you know, the closest match teams um, in terms of, you know, um, seating and, and, and things of that nature. So this, this is going to be, you know, a great pair of games. And again, first we have the Chicago Bulls against Miami Heat. Um, the winner as the eighth seed will have the chance to play the Milwaukee Bucks. Um you know, it'll be great to be in the playoffs, but of course, Milwaukee, that'll be a tough matchup. Whoever wins and, and faces Milwaukee, that'll be a conversation for a later day. Um, but for now, let's talk about that matchup. Excuse me. And, um, you know, I'm kind of worried about Miami. They've been inconsistent all season. Um, 
And, uh, you know, the big talking point is their offense. They've not been a great offensive team all season. So that's a valid concern. Um, you know, I was just barely reading through some of the briefs on both of these games on the NBA's website. Uh, credit Sean Powell, uh, great coverage on this. He's one of the NBA's longtime uh, reporters. But, uh, yeah, touched on some of these points as far as um, <clears throat> Chicago not being a ultra fast paced offense, which is true. Um, some of that actually, you know, a part of Lonzo Ball's absence. I remember when he was first starting with Chicago at the beginning of last season, seemed like they got out on the break a lot, helped their offense. And, you know, in the absence of that, and particularly this season, it seems like that's not the case. Um, you know, he makes note, of course, of Kyle Lowry's great game despite the loss against Atlanta. He had 33 points. That's a big game. And that's, you know, if they can give that again in this game, then that I would think, you know, would pretty much solidify their chance to win against Chicago. But, you know, <clears throat> it's going to be tough because, yeah, their offense, you know, Jimmy Butler can score well. He's not as go-to of a scorer as you might think, you know, and, and it's, he likes to play the all-round game and he's great at an all-round game of course you know he's a solid defender he can rebound he will make plays I mean he's the focal point of Miami's you know team both offensively and defensively but the problem is he doesn't always look for a ton of offense himself Um, when he does he's more score than shooter he's not the most solid outside shooter but he can certainly hit those shots Um, not a not really a flaw in his game but um you know, he's a slasher uh, against Chicago. That could work out well. You know, I mean, I, that being said, you would kind of think the, the same thing against Atlanta um, outside of Clint Capella, not really a, you know, not really seen as a clogged inside, incredible paint defense type team. Um, but um, apparently they did it well enough to be able to beat Miami. And so Chicago, you've got Vucevic inside, Um you know, not as defensively great as Capella, I would say. It's not not too too different between those two guys. But then if Chicago is going to keep playing small, you've got DeRozan, um, you've got um, Alex Caruso. You know, they're playing some more like guards and things of that nature. It could be good or bad because <clears throat> it could open up that, you know, work inside for Adebayo, for Butler, um, and then – if they need to start closing in on the inside, then they, you know, open up the kick it out, kick out for, for Miami, for their shooters. But um, on the flip side, that could allow Chicago to up their pace of play and, you know, address that concern on Chicago's front. So uh, it could go both ways. I think this is actually going to be a pretty tight matchup. You know, I think the stars matching up against each other. That's actually what, uh, with Sean Powell notes as well, DeRozan versus Butler. I would almost say it's actually Levine versus Butler, you know, credit to DeMar DeRozan. He's still a great player and he's, you know, a key part of Chicago's success. But this season, it seems Levine has been a little bit more in the driver's seat more often than not than DeMar DeRozan. And so Levine versus Butler, that would be the intriguing thing to me. Plus I think there's a better chance those two guard each other. If the Bulls are going small, then DeRozan probably is matched up against, you know, your Max Struess, Kevin Love, uh, Kayla Martin type guys. And so it'll be interesting, you know, Levine versus Butler. 
Adebayo versus Vucevic. Um, there's some intrigue there. The benches are going to be a factor. Um, Powell predicts the Heat winning this game. Um, that's probably a pretty safe prediction. You know, you would think after losing that game to Atlanta that that has really jarred their system. If they were at all, you know, not putting in a full effort against Atlanta, and we're not going to doubt that. But if that was at all any kind of case, then that should be shaken out of their system. They should be ready for this game and a winning back-to-back road games in, you know, this kind of environment, the Miami heat have a great home crowd. Heat should probably be a pretty um, safe bet, but if Chicago wins, that's going to be a great story. Um, That was actually my pick. I think it might've been Wyatt's as well, but my pick for uh, that eighth seed was Chicago. Um, And so if they can win that, I'm happy of course, because then my bracket is that much more correct, but um, either way, it should be exciting to watch for that second game. You have the Oklahoma city thunder, uh, as that 10 seed in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, they were already the eighth seed. And so they lost to the Lakers who were the seventh seed, but now the Timberwolves have the opportunity to, to play at home. They have Gobert back in the lineup. Um, and they should be at full strength. But as Sean Powell mentioned, the Gobert dynamic with Minnesota has been a story all season, and it's especially going to be a focal point here, you know. And the Timberwolves are in a really odd, <clears throat> excuse me, really odd situation where they're having to kind of patch up these team issues, um, you know, quick turnarounds, that whole, you know, this, I mean, there were underlying questions throughout the season as far as just general fit, but it never really was a team chemistry issue. Um an issue of players having, you know, um, you know, team teammate relationship issues with each other. That really wasn't the storyline until that last game of the season. Um, and then suddenly now you have injury, extra injuries, you have a suspension and you have, you know, a, a less cohesive locker room. They weren't able to overcome that for the Lakers, despite it being close. And now they're at home. Gobert is back. And, He's a, you know, he's a talented all-star level center. He improves their defense. We're talking, of course, on paper and pure basketball impact. But does Gobert being back make the locker room morale? Does it raise the locker room morale? Maybe, maybe not. I think there's a good chance that it could go either way. It could be Gobert is back. You know, everyone's patched up their, uh, you know, their wounds, quote unquote wounds from, you know, from either side. And now they're going into, you know, a must win game and they're able to pull it together or, you know, there's hurt feelings on both sides and there's resentment and um, that impacts their level of play. It doesn't help that Anthony Edwards, the young star had a tough game against the Lakers, you know, so there's questions of whether that translates to the, to the following game. And so there's more questions than answers for the Timberwolves. And when you think about the Thunder, it's, again, that same story. They don't really have the pressure. They People didn't expect them to get this far. People are still likely to pick the Timberwolves, and um, there's still a good chance the Timberwolves win. But if Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy and that whole crew can have another stellar game, you know, this could be anyone's game. If there's frustration again on the Timberwolves' part, um, that home crowd should be great. It should feed them. Um, but if there's off nights, there could be some doubt. It could be, 
of close game. And so as far as my thoughts on who, uh, who could win this, Oh, it's tough. You know, I think I probably, interestingly enough, even though I'm talking about this a little bit more than the problems with Miami, I think that Chicago is more likely to beat Miami than Oklahoma city is to beat Minnesota. Um, and I'm not sure I can exactly articulate why I feel that way. Um, perhaps it's the Timberwolves have been a little, were a little more consistent in the regular season. They were in the, you know, a little bit of that tougher group as far as, you know, a fifth seed down in the West was a really competitive mix. The East had the best teams in the league this season to a point, you know, until about five or six seed. And then, uh, those next teams were all in the Western conference as far as those next best teams. And so I think that would be an advantage in Minnesota's favor, as far as being able to beat Oklahoma city, Um, you know, despite the close um, records at the end of the season, you know, Minnesota has a better overall talent and um, you know, it's hard to really argue that even without um, Jaden McDaniels and Nas Reed, I think you've still got enough to make it work. Edwards, who's really emerged defensively, Conley, Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns. They've got the inside presence. And in these early games, points, point paints have been a big factor versus, you know, the, the heat bowls matchup um, talent levels. I think honestly, quite honestly, are pretty close in that series. So that's why I say Minnesota probably has a better chance to win um, compared to, or um, compared to, Miami, I guess, in general. But, you know, I think the the higher seeds are still the most likely to win. I mean, that makes sense. But as far as an upset, I think the Chicago upset would be much more likely than the Oklahoma City upset. But um, that's my take on it. You know, I think both series, both games are going to be very exciting. Of course, everyone will be watching to see what those for sure playoff matchups will be. Um, so that'll be great television to watch out for. Hopefully that gives you a preview for both of those games to watch out for as we get into that. But um with that, let's go ahead and give you the details on those play-in games before we wrap this up. So both games will be tomorrow, Friday. Um, <clears throat> they are on TNT and ESPN, respectively. I actually miswrote this first. Let me credit uh, correct that. Usually it would be a doubleheader, but um, the first game is on TNT at 7 o'clock Eastern, ta- uh, Eastern Standard Time, and that is that Bulls-Heat matchup. Chicago Bulls in Miami against the Heat. That's, again, TNT, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Then your second game actually moves over to ESPN. ESPN at 9.30, your Oklahoma City Thunder traveled to Minnesota to face off against the Timberwolves. Again, ESPN at 9.30, and your first game, TNT, 7 o'clock, both of those Eastern Standard Time. So those are your final play-in games. Again, that will determine the eighth seed in each conference for the you know final playoff picture. And that is a day before the normal playoff start Saturday, the 15th. That is the start of the standard traditional NBA playoff format. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. It's going to be a great uh, slate of games. We'll preview that for you a little bit on tomorrow's show. That'll be the focus of tomorrow's show since we won't have any play in games to recap at that point. But um, with that, let's go ahead and give you our, this day in history fact. Um, We're not going back too far. We're going back to, 2016, about seven years, April 13th of 2016, Kobe Bryant 
retires with a bang, scoring 60 points in the Lakers' one-on-one to 96 win over the Utah Jazz. And of course, probably easily the most memorable in recent memory that is recent memory that is retirement games in the NBA. I mean, who cares about the shooting percentages? Who cares even if they had won the game? If they had lost, it probably still would have been memorable. Scoring 60 in your final ever NBA game. Excuse me. Scoring 60 in your final game, you know, remarkable legacy. And that, you know, was just the icing on the cake for Kobe's career. Um, Again, it's just crazy to think that it's already been, you know, three years at this point uh, that we've been without Kobe Bryant. So definitely sobering to remember some of these moments. Tough to tough to think about it sometimes, but still one of the all-time greats and one of the all-time great moments. So that takes care of uh, the bulk of our show for you. Uh, again, tomorrow we're going to focus on previewing all of the first-round matchups in the NBA playoffs. We won't be able to do the specifics of your one-seed and eight-seed matchups because, again, those will be determined Friday night for sure. But we can talk about uh, the one-seed teams in general, and then we'll talk about the other three series a little bit more in depth. But that will be the focus of tomorrow's show. We also, of course, have some bonus episodes today and tomorrow coming up for you. Um, Tonight we'll have our franchise focus episodes for both the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. And then tomorrow we'll have our bonus franchise focus episode for the Washington Wizards, the final of our of our franchise focus episodes. So stay tuned for those real quick. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time on Instagram. All one word, no caps. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We share content from the show, but we also do our best to share content from across the NBA. So it's a great place along with the podcast itself to stay up to date on what's going on in the NBA as a whole. Um, So definitely check that out. Thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you either on a bonus episode or on Friday's show. We'll see you then. 